Welcome to Make Some Noise. I'm your host, Carly Nimmo, firmly with my morning voice on today. And we are joined by an old online friend of mine, Emily Ann Peterson, who I interviewed on Carlosophies a few years back when I discovered her through our online networks and was just completely blown away by her amazingness. So Emily was a cellist, a professional cellist, a professional musician who ended up with a degenerative neurological hand tremor, which meant that she could no longer play the cello. And this, I mean, as someone who has completely become the identity of what they do in the world, suddenly having that taken away from her, I was really interested to explore that with her on Carlosophies. And now I have her back because Emily speaks so much about creativity and courage. And I thought that would be a really great place to start because I don't want to just be here having conversations about creativity. I want you to summon up all the courage you can in order to be a creative being, which is what you already are, but give yourself permission to. And that does take courage. So I'm really excited to introduce you to Emily Ann Peterson. Enjoy. Creativity, self-expression, and feelings. Creativity, self-expression, and feelings. Make some noise, 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 make some noise. Not like it's a podcast. Okay, let's hear it. So... I'm shit scared right now (laughs) and I wanted to, you know, I've been thinking about this idea of creativity and expression and its connections to depression and anxiety and mental illness for a while now and one of the things that has been stopping me is my own feelings of inadequacy, I guess, the feeling that I'm not really sure I'm an expert in this field, the only you know, real experience I have is personal. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I have an arts degree that I never really even finished. (laughs) So all the who am I stuff is coming up. And so what a great place to start this podcast with a conversation with a friend of mine around bravery, expression, and using your creativity to, I guess, maybe as a tool to overcome maybe adversity. So we'll dive into all of these areas today. Uh, I guess, so excited. I guess I should start by introducing you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So welcome, Emily Ann Peterson. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So I guess like the best place to start is maybe, maybe we just start by you telling us a little bit about what you're doing now in the world. And then we'll circle back and have this chat around bravery. Okay. So right now I am a singer-songwriter and I'm an author. And I also do um, basically audience strategy for other creative visionaries, um, or I should say with other creative visionaries. Um, So I wrote a book called Bare Naked Bravery, which was inspired by a pretty awful health diagnosis that I received about four or five years ago. And that diagnosis got me 
I was in a completely different career trajectory as a professional cellist. And then after the diagnosis of my, I have a essential tremor in my right hand, which made it really weird to play or to make a career out of playing an instrument that was not working quite right. And that, that diagnosis basically triggered this whole line of questions. Like if I'm not just a cellist, but I'm a musician, if I'm not just a musician, but I'm a songwriter, if I'm not just a songwriter, but I'm an artist and I have something to say, I'm going to have to be brave. But then what the hell is bravery? (laughs) Because everybody's talking about it and nobody really knows what they're really saying. Like there's, oh, just be brave, just be brave. And I kept waking up going like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't even, I didn't even ask if you No, the, well, it's me, okay. so we can okay. we can drop as many okay. F-bombs as you like. Okay. <laughs> I just, I kind of assumed, but I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, I just kind of woke up and was like, what the hell does bravery really mean and how am I just supposed to be it? So I read a ton of books, a lot of self-help books, a lot of self-help books, and I realized that there really wasn't a book out there that was giving me the answer that I was looking for and that all of their definitions were kind of inadequate or like left kind of like Swiss cheese definitions, like didn't have a full, didn't cover all the bases basically. And so I started interviewing and talking to a lot of people just cause I was curious about it. And I kept finding out more information like, Oh, there's really three reasons why people are do brave things. Oh, and there's, all these three main ingredients of bravery and there's these other sub ingredients and this is how they all work together. And so that became the book bare naked bravery. And I, by no means, you know, when I was having this line of questioning was not thinking, Oh, I'm totally going to write a book about this. It was just like, no, I need to be brave in this season of my life. And I need to find these answers for myself. So that's what I'm doing right now is I'm, I've, written the book. I don't know if I'm going to write another book. You know, I'm not like closing that door to the fact that that was a form of creative expression for me. Um, and I might do it again. I don't know, but my main creative expression right now is songwriting and being a performer and a songwriter. And I live in Nashville, Tennessee right now. So, um, I'm like in music city and loving it. It's great. It's it's wonderful. Love it. So what are you mentioned about bravery and writing the book and that there were three kind of key elements to mm-hmm. bravery what are they so there's three reasons why people do brave things um it's needed it's worth it and it's contagious so when you surround yourself by other people who are doing brave things that bravery then seems kind of more normal or expected when you acknowledge who else in the world needs you to do the big scary thing, it makes it easier. And then when you have some intrinsic like motivation, yeah, it also makes it more worth it as well. So like in the case of you doing this podcast, it's totally needed. Yeah, absolutely. People people need to know that there's not they don't just have to go sit in a waiting room to find the answers to their depression and their anxiety and all the other mental health stuff that they're going through. It's not creativity is not the only answer. Yeah. I don't think there's so many, gonna, so many different ways we can approach it. Exactly. And this is one. Exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. So it's definitely needed this podcast and it's worth it because you're going to find a lot of things in this process for yourself and for your own family and for your own mental health. Um, and it's contagious because Mm -hmm. you're going to be talking to people who are doing this and talking about all this is just going to get more normalized. So the first one that you're doing, of course, that's scary. Yeah. Cause you haven't done it before. Like some of those elements, you know, you haven't built the audience of the podcast. So you don't have your audience waiting for you to release a podcast episode. You don't have like the backlog of guests, you know, kind of as your Rolodex of proof <laughs> that this is legitimate, you know? So, yeah. um, it, anytime you do something new for the first time, it's going to be a little bit more scary than something else because those three elements aren't as enforced, if that makes sense. Yeah. And we don't necessarily have the evidence to support it, you know, which is really what you're saying, right? Like, it's like, I mean, I haven't had the conversations yet. I haven't, I have created a podcast before. I've created a couple of podcasts before, but nothing this kind of, oh, maybe that's not quite true. I was going to say not, not this personal, but Um, but that's not quite true either. Anyway, I did one question that popped in while you were speaking about bravery was, do you feel like, what is the relationship between bravery and creativity? Um, creativity begets courage and courage begets creativity. And it's just kind of like a cycle like that. I think that's like chapter two of my book where I talk about like, the fact that in order to be courageous, courage and bravery are synonyms. They're just the same word. It's just different verbs and tenses and grammar. So courage requires you to do something new. Anytime you're doing something new, you have to be a little bit creative. Even if you're only changing one of the millions of variables, you're still changing one of millions of variables. And that means you're being creative. Um, and so the more that you do creative things, the more courage gets a little bit easier and creativity gets a little easier. And then you're just Mm. finger painting with both colors and loving it. Totally. What is your relationship to creativity? Like were, as a child, were you a hyper creative kind of kid? Was there ever a moment where you, you know, I know, um, you played the cello, so it's like, I I wonder if you were always like that. Was there ever a period of time where you suppressed your creative? Yeah. So I would say that, so creativity and courage are, they start as really small, tiny seeds. So I, I am of the mindset that talent is learned and there's no such thing as perfect pitch because that's just nurtured, just like everything else. And um, bravery is something that you can nurture as well. Courage is something that you can nurture. So um, there may be um, those of us in the creative realms, we may have started our lives in a creative family, but that's one of the main reasons why we're so creative so young in our lives is because we started that nurturing process moving forward. Whereas somebody who's like in an accounting realm and is, you know, more like spreadsheet thinker, they may have grown up in a family that nurtured a different kind of lifestyle. And so now they get to like, there are those of us who are creative that are like drooling over their skills at spreadsheets 
<laughs> you know, like <laughs> and so trying to or of, trying to fit into that box, you know. So they're exactly. like, you know, their soul screaming to be a painter or a sculptor, and and yet they're there. You know, I've got so many friends who, and this is the reason that I guess um, this was the prompt for that question, really. You know, I have so many friends who turned out to be engineers and really hate being an engineer because what they want to be is a songwriter. And, right. you know, they, they live their life in that trying to fit into that box of engineer, which does have creative elements to it, right? But it's not yeah, the kind yeah. of creative expression that their soul wants. So then, right. you know, that kind of leads to all kinds of um, mental yeah. health challenges because we're really suppressing the the truth of of you know, who we are and yeah. who we want to be in the world. So that was well, really the say, catalyst you know, for that question. To answer your question more straightforwardly <laughs> is I, my mom was a voice and piano teacher growing up and my dad is a marketing professor and was going through grad school at the time when I was in grade school. So he was in grad school. I was in grade school. Um, and I've always had kind of an entrepreneurial bent, but partly because I was with, because they were my parents. Mm. Um, so like I'd wake up one Saturday and say, let's do a lemonade stand. And dad would say, let's make this part of my graduate thesis. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, like, and we would, we would basically figure out that the best location in the neighborhood for a lemonade stand was in front of a garage sale. And here I am as a third grader spending like three hours in front of a garage sale, making $150. So and and then blowing it all on all of the yeah. ladies, all of the ladies' bridesmaid dresses that she was getting rid of. I've bought all of them at the end of the garage sale just for dress up and things like that. So um, actually, that spending pattern hasn't really changed. Much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I so all of that was nurtured in my family. And however, I would say that there are certain types of expression. Um, on the, on the relational side that was not nurtured in our family, like having an argument or having a discussion or a disagreement with my parents happened once and they always won. And so now when I have a disagreement with someone, I have, to, I have these other mental health relational issues where I have to pull that in and kind of go, okay, wait, we can have this discussion more than once. <laughs> this other person who I'm having this disagreement with may not win. It's not about winning actually. Like, um, so I have to have all these mental health things that are, that hold me back relationally because in my family, that portion of expression was not nurtured. So. Yeah. Um, and that's another really key point, right? Like I feel um, another reason that I really wanted to start this was my my own personal journey through depression was really because I wasn't I wasn't it wasn't encouraged for us to express ourselves emotionally as children and so instead you know I kind of just swallowed all my feelings down until they were stuck at the back of my throat and um, yeah. you know and then ended up on a mental health plan. So it's like, uh, yeah, that those those elements of our childhood where we are, where we pick up who we're supposed to be, and then we're kind of living that as our truth when in fact it's not. So it's another, just another way we're suppressing who we really are through the conditioning that we've had through our childhood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and breaking out of that 
norm takes a lot of creativity in and of itself. So like for your engineer friends who really just want to be songwriters um, or sit at home and write songs all day, that making that step lifestyle change from 40 hours a week as at the engineering firm to 40 hours, 80 hours a week <laughs> touring on the roads, you know, singing, performing, um, that's a really big switch and it's not going to happen overnight, but you, what an, what someone in, who wants to make that switch can do is start by just giving themselves permission to not go to the work, you know, after hours party and instead sit at home and write a song. Totally. And just give yourself permission to do something different, even if it's not as different as you want it to be right at first, if that makes sense. Yes, because so often it's like we we get attached to this is the way that it needs to look. In order for me to be a songwriter, then I need to be touring the country, working, you know, working all the hours, writing professionally, being paid for that, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like whatever that box of being a songwriter looks like for you. When if you get down to the truth of it, it's actually that you're sitting there writing a song. Like that yeah. makes you a songwriter. I remember I recorded a a thing on um, like a live on Instagram with my ukulele. I knew how to play three chords, but I can play three chords. Therefore, I I am a ukulele player. Like at what point yeah. do we do do we become the thing we want to be just by doing taking the action that we, you know, or doing the thing that we want to do makes us who we want to be, you know? And and I, you know, in the realm of mental health, like giving yourself permission to be mentally healthy mm. is a huge step in and of itself. Um, giving yourself permission to write a song, to sit at home and do watercolors or to go to an art class or to attend a poetry reading or to, there's so many ways that you can get plugged into your creativity. Yeah, and it doesn't take a have dance to be, class or I went back to yeah. singing lessons after 20 years, you know, like just plugging into often the, those things are things that we, we did when we were kids, you know? So for me, the songwriting thing, um, that's what I used to do when I was a kid. I used to sit around in circles with my friends and make up little songs or do a little performance or, or whatever. Yeah. And then we kind of go through life and those elements of us, uh, kick to the side because they're no, they're, they're frivolous activities, right. but your mental health is not frivolous. It's so true. It's so true. It's the most, it's the most important thing, you know, like health is the most important thing, but if you can't ha have mental health, you can't even make the choices to do things like get yourself to a physical doctor to get, you know, totally. there's, it's really important. It's so important. Um, and I would say that, you know, if somebody is wanting to be more creative, whatever that means, um, and, their their own personality type will help them make the right decision for how that looks. So like if somebody, and I say this all the time with my, with my own clients um, who are like scared to do the thing that they're wanting to do to put themselves out there. A lot of times people think that bravery is like all or nothing. Mm. And sometimes it's just telling your closest friends that you're now doing this new thing. Um, it does not have to look like you 
announcing to the world on Facebook Live while you're nude. (laughs) You know, like it really just doesn't have to be that way. Um, And you can still be doing that thing. Yeah. Well, sometimes bravery is just picking up the phone and booking in for that pottery session or bravery Mm -hmm. is, you know, instead of doing all the things that you think you should be doing, taking half an hour out to go out into your garden and plant some, you know, new Totally. plants or whatever, whatever create, whatever the, cause I think there's also this thing like create what cr- creativity looks this way. Creativity looks like, you know, someone with um, funny glasses on who, you know, wears flares or whatever, you know, and, and paints where it, it looks, however, it, w- it wants to look for you. So if your creative expression is cooking in the kitchen do that. If your creative expression is out in the garden with your hands dirty, you know, planting in the new moon, do that. You know, if it is, if it is painting, if it is writing, if it is well, dancing. And I, I would say also that if, if you are an extrovert, you can do your creative thing amongst other people, even mm. if it's a solo thing, like say painting, that's a pretty solo activity for creativity. So um, it may be easier for you as an extrovert to do that new crazy thing amongst other people who are doing new crazy things like taking a painting class. Um, Whereas somebody who's an introvert, it might be better, it might feel better for them to take painting classes on YouTube and just watch that a bunch. Um, Hell, you don't even have to like go to a class or pay Mm. money to take the class. You can just sit there and binge watch other people painting. And sometimes that's enough to get you to go like, I kind of want to go to the art store. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And spend $300 on arts, (laughs) art products to do it once. But that's not like, (laughs) that's what creativity used to look like for me, right? It was like, oh, I'd like to, maybe I'd like to explore it by making a lamp. So I'd go and buy all of the books on like, you know, crafts and arts and look at it all and then go and spend $300 at Spotlight on Materials and make something that was super, super ugly and never saw the light of day. But I had fun in the creation of it, you know? Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think that's another thing about creativity is so often we say things like, oh, but I'm not good at that, you know? And then we create something and it's not what we expected it to look like, like my ugly lamp. It doesn't, like the 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 actual enjoyment of creativity is just in the process of being present with what you're doing a lot of the time. And I use the phrase, um, holding your expectations with an open hand, because when you're in like what I have to do this when I'm songwriting, like I, when I get started with a new song, I kind of have an idea about what I want it to be, but I also go into it knowing that knowing that it for sure is going to be something very different than what I started it with Um, because it sounds awful. The experience is less enjoyable and I hate it at the end. If I hold on to that expectation that like, Oh, this is going to be a song about baby chicks and chickens. Um, I don't know why that just, (laughs) um, if I sit down and write a song about that, then, and I have my fist wrapped around this idea and like, iron fisted around this idea, then I'm going to hate the process of creativity. It's going to be difficult and uphill battle the entire time. And, um, I'm not going to enjoy the end result at all. 
So all around, that's not a, it's not a fun thing for me to choose to do. Um, But if I can sit down and go like, okay, let's write a song about baby chicks and baby chickens. Then I can start going off into the land of like farm animals and how fun it must've been to grow up on a farm. And here I am city girl, never got, you know, like my first farm visit was in grade school on a field trip, you know, like, so I, I, now I'm like in that whole vein of looking at a whole another story. And then maybe this song is about a, a particular girl, maybe a pen pal of mine when I was younger. And so like, now I'm like off in this whole like world of potential for this song. And it started with just the word baby chicks. Right. Um, right. But it's not an act. It's not actually a song about baby chicks now. Right. Yeah, it, totally. It, so holding that expectation with an open hand, when you are sitting down, you're like, okay, I want to be more creative with my life. Yeah. And you have this idea that it means you're going to wear flowy clothes and <laughs> wear tie dye all of a sudden. Um, and you are like dead set on that you're going to be disappointed because the whole process of becoming that person is going to be really hard. It's going to be really uncomfortable and um, you're not going to like the result of it at the very end. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But you may think, you may think that like being creative is wearing tie dye and being late to everything. Um, (laughs) But, but you may arrive to your painting class and find out that like, Oh my gosh, this is the most disciplined Mm. field of work I've ever worked in. I love this. This is amazing. You know? Yeah. Because so so often creativity does require discipline too and commitment and practice, you know, not just it's yeah. Not just a, um, yeah, like a nonchalant kind of approach to life. Like that's not, 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 not necessarily what creativity is. It can be that way for sure, but it can also be structured. And, you know, if you think about, um, yeah, some of the, like, I don't know, th- things that have been created, they're not just like, you don't just sit down in a half hour session and bam, there it is. That can happen too. And it can be inspired and amazing, but there are also really moving pieces of art or you know, songs or whatever it is, or a garden that takes years and years and years of showing up daily for it. So, um, yeah, that, that, that cliche of the creative person being messy and, uh, you know, like not having their life together, just running late for everything is an absolute mm-hmm. myth. <laughs> well, not a myth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and I would say, you know, a Stereotype. lot of people think that a lot of people think that bravery is this like reckless jumping off into the unknown. Mm. And it is absolutely not. Oftentimes if if somebody's doing that, they're just being stupid. In my opinion, (laughs) they're not thinking it all the way through. Um, But something is truly brave when you are making these really tiny baby steps and everything is very analytical and you're looking at all of your options and weighing every single one of them from every direction and angle. Uh, and you still move forward mm. and you still move forward and you still move forward. That's the bravery that we're talking about. Um, and creativity works in a similar way. Like creativity is not reckless. Creativity is not 
it may look like haphazard, but there's a lot of intention behind it. Even if the intention is just to see what happens, um, that if you can fill your life with the same kind of intention, you'll find that, um, that your life will also be filled with the same kind of creativity as well. Yeah. Cause it's not, um, I just wrote down improvisation isn't creativity. Like it can be a form of creativity, but it's, but creativity is so much bigger than just someone improvising, you know, and often those, those people who are really incredible improvisers are that way because they've done thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of practice, you know, and so that they have mastered their chosen instrument of expression and then can improvise within that. You know, there's something to be said for slapping, you know, slapping shit at the wall, which is something that I have done a lot of in my life in an entrepreneurial sense, just throwing shit at the wall. It's still measured, you know, it's still... um. It's still a You're conscious decision. You're throwing it on decision. that wall, not that wall. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and and it's a form. Exactly. I've chosen the wall. And also, it's like this is this is also my practice. You know. So it. Yeah. I think that. Um. Yeah. I think that idea of improvisation being creativity is not necessarily the truth. It can look that way on the outside, but what we're not seeing, which is part of the reason I wanted to open up this conversation too. Right. It's like. Because so often we do see the end painting, you know, the the end result, the dance performance, the you know, the this we we see the song performed, but we don't see all of the work that went to get them to that point. All of the, you know, all of the um, experimentation. In the music world, they always say like, "Oh yeah, it only took me twenty years to be an overnight success." Yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rest of you know the population the you know the top 40 country artists you know I'll, I'll I'll say the same thing like it they were not overnight successes it took them a long time um and everybody who's good at anything or has had any sort of kind of um I don't know public approval of, of like how great and wonderful they are Typically, they've got a lot of years under their belt for working on that thing. Yeah, Um, and a lot of practice at sucking too, right? Because mm -hmm. I feel like so often we're afraid to, like me, procrastinating on start. Well, that's why I just was like, no, I just have to take. I've had the idea. I've got the name. I'm moving forward with it now before I lose my shit and it just becomes something else in that that I was going to create because of the fear because sometimes when we start something new, like we've said a million times already through this episode, it's like we do suck at the start. And yep. and that partly is because we're so attached to things needing to look a certain way or um, needing to be good straight off the bat, where that permission so piece is really, often about permission to suck. It's really fascinating. So I you know, before I went off on this crazy, wonderful songwriter bravery adventure, I was this full-time cello instructor. Um, and I was trained in the, in the philosophy of the Suzuki method. So Dr. Sinichi Suzuki, um, is Japanese and he founded this method of teaching children how to play instruments. Uh, it started with violin and he 
basically has this had this philosophy that you can teach a child how to play an instrument if you teach them as if it were as if music were a foreign language. Mm. And doing that means asking them to repeat things after you all the time. Then eventually they're repeating not just words, but phrases, not just phrases, but entire paragraphs, not just paragraphs, but they're repeating chapters. So there's a lot of repetition and rote memory and muscle memory that's in it. And sometimes in the in the music realm, it gets a lot of flack, like the philosophy gets a lot of flack, because by the time in America, at least, by the time this Suzuki kiddo gets into like grade school, they don't finish out the Suzuki method. And so they like get distracted by baseball or basketball or whatever. And then the proof that they have is like, well, I know how to play this song, but I don't know how to read music yet. Well, that's because they experience the rote repetition, but they haven't gotten through the full language learning process. Because if you look at yourself, when you learned how to speak English, you heard your mom and dad speaking a lot. Then you started mimicking those sounds. Then you started talking a little bit more fluently and then reading. And then before you know it, you've got this like gorgeous vocabulary and are able to have a podcast talking about creativity and mental health. Yeah. Um, so that whole progression it can happen the same way with creativity or being creative in another field or yeah. Thing. So and I feel it's it important you know, you to, to point it out. Through. Yeah, exactly. And if anyone who has lived with a toddler knows that during those like there is frustration as part of that process when you oh, yeah. you know when you when you are trying to put together a sentence whatever that is you know like writing your first song or creating your first painting but you haven't yet mastered it it can be a really frustrating process and something that we forget once we have those key skills of like language or whatever, then we kind of take for granted that there was this really long process for us to get there. We've become this society that's like, I just need to be inherently good at things. Yeah. And well, I, I, you know, I saw, cause I taught children and adults cello. And when, because I was a Suzuki teacher, that meant that anytime I taught a child, the parent was also part of the process. So the parent was the child's practice partner and the parent would basically be this like awesome 24 seven cheerleader, cello cheerleader all the time. My adult students did not have a cello cheerleader. And so they were, they came into the lesson with all of their language learning skills already built up as a human, just, they know how to speak. Um, they've been listening to music for decades and they sit down with this brand new instrument that they've never touched before and they had all of these expectations that this was going to be easy, that the cello sounds like this, not this. Um, all of those things were already built up because of the many years of experience that they had. And that's a good thing. The experience is a good thing. However, they didn't have the cello cheerleader built in. Yes. needed to be me. It needed to be me. So like they would sit down and play a really awful version of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And I being the the teacher for obvious reasons would say great job that was an excellent attempt I really loved how you left this one finger down and this was great and this part was great let's work on these other parts that need improvement um so those expectations and experience 
made it really difficult and challenging for a student to continue taking lessons. If they were really hard on themselves, they would give up. Um, and I saw it time and time again, they would give up and it had nothing to do with me or my teaching or their inability to do something. It had everything to do with their, um, their lack of permission to sound bad, Mm. their lack of, um, you know, willingness to see things through to the end, even through the messy, awful, gross middle, you know, um, And, and, you know, you, if you look at your kiddo, when she started to say things for the first time, she wasn't saying she didn't have excellent, you know, elocution and like, Mm. wasn't pronouncing. And we would celebrate it. Oh my God. You just said purple. That is so amazing. I barely said purple. It was like, papa, right. (laughs) And you're all doing backflips about how amazing that was. And, and so I think whenever you're starting something new, if you can, do your best to parent yourself mm. like a really a awesome loving cheerleader. Parent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's um, um, and, and- something that I wrote down before. Uh, you know, my singing teacher always says to me, you know, when you're in that creative stage, you can't be, you can't be the, the judge of what you're creating and be the creator at the same time. One of them needs to take a back seat. And if you're going to create, the judge has to take the back seat. You know, and for me, that's actually been a conversation that I have with myself. Like, you know, I guess Liz Gilbert style in a way where it's like, you know, yeah, I can see that you want to create, you want to, you want to uh, make sure that I create something really beautiful here, but I actually just want to create something mm-hmm. without, yeah. you know, say, how about you jump in the back? Cause right, like creativity right. is driving right now. Yeah. Right. It's it's a really fascinating, um, it was so fascinating for me as a teacher to observe that massive ch- difference between mm. a child learning to play an instrument and an adult learning to play an instrument. And in some ways, the adults came into the process with a lot more going for them. Truly, like they understood what was in tune and not in tune. Mm. That's a, a massive, wonderful, important skill to be able to play this instrument specifically, they knew when it sounded bad. That's a great skill, even though it's like emotionally doesn't always feel the best when you attain that. (laughs) Um, It's still a skill. And that's kind of, that was a hard thing for some of my students to understand that knowing that they played out of tune is a skill and they just did it successfully (laughs) when they played a bad note and they said, Oh, I screwed it up that's a skill that they're really good at. So even if it's, even if that's what you're looking at, like I'm an engineer and I want to write songs. I just wrote a song and I don't like it. Great. Yeah. You know what, you know what a good song is. That's awesome. Try it again. Yeah. That <laughs> Maybe is, it'll get better next time, you know? Yeah. That is so, that is such a really great, uh, yeah. Thing to keep in mind. Particularly, yeah, particularly in when you are just starting out to, or not just, not even just starting out, anytime you're creating anything, yeah, I love that reframe of it, you know, like not, not necessarily, yes, you've created something you don't, don't necessarily like. Cool. Well, now you know that you get the opportunity to do it again and create something you do like, not just yeah. give up and walk away because, uh, it didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. Instead, use that as something to fuel your next creation. 
exactly. And that is bravery, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, cuz you're 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 changing the way you're looking at something and that that is unique and that's novel. And anytime you're doing something novel, you're doing something creative and something courageous and that's what we want or that's what you, that's what we're here to to do. So, um it's I have just seen so many times well, here's something that I'm I'm working through even with just myself in this season. I'm recognizing how um, we tend to well, let me say this a different way. If somebody who just wrote a song that don't that they don't like, and they throw a hissy fit because they don't like the song, um, it means that they are hold they are that song is too precious right? Their expectation is too mm. precious. Um, and for myself, you know, I'm getting ready to release my first full length album. I released music before, but it's the first full length album. This is the first like, all right, head first, here we go. Let's spend multiple thousands of dollars on getting this project out. And the other day I was driving, I was like having some anxiety about releasing this stuff. Um, you know, the whole, like, is it good enough? I don't yeah. know if I love it you know, yet or the, all of this stuff. And I do love it. But it occurred to me that I was holding on to the whole release process, the music release process, very preciously. Like, mm. it was like, you know, my precious, kind of like Lord of the Rings style <laughs> kind of thing. And, it, and I, was, I was obsessing over it. And I realized that I wanted to be, eventually, I want to be the kind of songwriter and producer and musician who has 18, 25 albums out. And this is my first mm. one. So I get to do this many, 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 many more times. And the second I reminded myself of that, all of that anxiety about like doing it right the first time or making sure I don't screw things up, it evaporated because I realized, oh, I'm going to have like 25 more chances to do this. This is great. Perfect. Okay cool. I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, and I think if you, if you're starting out with like your first painting or your first poem after really uh, many, many years and it sounds awful, great. You get to do it again. <laughs> great. Cause you're not, I'm glad you, you didn't just have one poem that you had to write for your whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that would have really, that would really suck if you had, you know, only one chance to write the poem of a lifetime you know, that's just not fair. So. I know, and it sounds so ridiculous, but it is definitely the like it is definitely something I see that holds so many people back where they're like, but this oh, yeah. this needs to be the thing. It needs to be the thing. You know, and and in my own life that's shown up in so many different ways. I think part of the nerves of me actually bravely stepping into this new um frontier has been the attachment to it being a thing. When you were talking about that. I had this image in my head of like, you know, sometimes we something means so much to us as an individual that it's really scary to go out and give it a home in the world because we're so afraid of it being judged and, you know, it not being good enough when it meant so much to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I like that idea of of coming back to but it's not the only thing. It's not the only create it's not the only thing you'll ever create. It's one thing of so many. And then that 
pressure that we can put on ourselves is released. And then we're really free to create. Totally. And I would also say that, you know, as a songwriter, I let's say you know one of the songs in this new album that's coming out is uh, about the the story Velveteen from the Velveteen Rabbit, and um, it occurred to me the other day because I I rewrote part of it before we recorded it like very last minute rewrote it and very last minute re-recorded it, um, and because part of the issue with this release is that. Uh, these are songs that I wrote four years ago. Mm. These are songs that I wrote before I pu- wrote and published my book. So like I recorded, I wrote and recorded these songs. Then I wrote and published a book and now I'm releasing the songs. And so I, I, as a person have, have changed. Grown. Yes. As a songwriter, I have improved a yes. lot. Yes. And so here I am as this professional songwriter releasing material that is um, literally a mirror of who I was four then, years ago. Yes. And that's scary. That's part of the scariness because now I, I'm kind of want to be like, here's this awesome, beautiful, wonderful album, but I'm really a much better songwriter, I swear. Yes. <laughs> you know, like. Yes. Oh my God. I had the yeah. same thing with my book, right? Like I had started writing it three and a half years ago. And so the the person who wrote that, oh, my God, so different to me now. And that was part of the issue that I'd had about releasing it in the world. I was like, but I'm not that person anymore. And, in fact, what I've written, it it's not me now. So, like, releasing it feels really weird because it feels like I'm releasing an old, old incarnation of me that isn't the best version of who I am now, right? Right. And so, well, so here's. Here's what I here's what I talked myself through. And I also, you know, my friend Kai Alfred Hillig is a songwriter and he was like, just release it. An album is literally an album of like like a photo album. Mm. It's snapshots of where you were at a specific time. You can release that album anytime you want, like from this nineteen sixties in 2018, and it's still an album from that time period. So but I also recognized that just the story of the Velveteen Rabbit alone. I can write 45 more songs about that story Mm. if I wanted to. If this one wasn't the best version, I have so many more left I could write. Um, So that's another thing is that, you know, if you are taking your mental health and putting that, pouring that into your creativity, because it's your mental health, which is very precious, if you're pouring that into say a painting and you're doing a self portrait and, and you putting these expectations on it, that it has to be like the self portrait of a Mm. lifetime, the self portrait to encapsulate everything you've gone through as a human, that's too much, (laughs) too much for a self portrait, or that's too much for one self portrait. You can have, 500 self-portraits. I mean, you could do a self-portrait each time you have a major epiphany, you know, like. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that's, that shift relieves again, all that pressure to go, oh, I don't have to make this the one perfect thing. This can be the one thing for this time. Totally. Or the one thing from that time. Yeah. And, and in the process of writing my book, you know, I decided I needed to give it a home. 
So, and for me, publishing at it as a book felt like it wasn't the right mood for me at the time. So I recorded it as an audio book to give it a home so that then I could close the metaphorical chapter on that and allow my next project to come through. Because sometimes yeah. we do have to finish the job in order to create the space for the for the next thing to come through. So for me, that process of like, well, I'm going to get it out into the world in some way so that I have the space to start working on my next project, it it re- it also relieved the pressure of it needing to be this huge thing. It was just I needed to give it a home in order I needed to finish it. I needed to finish the thing because for me, I needed to finish it for me, not because I because it should be finished, but because I wanted to finish it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I feel I feel that same way about this album. Like I'm very excited to share it with the rest of the world. It sounds really fucking good but I'm also really excited to move on to other things (laughs) and not releasing like it it felt like such a disservice to all of that work that I had done Mm. on this album to release other things first yeah right like to release even to release the book felt kind of weird like I here's this book I know I've was I've been working on this album but I have this book for you. <laughs> That's a little bit like of a, whoop, wait, what are you doing? Um, yeah. But it's, you know, needed to happen. Happy it happened. So, so glad for it. But I knew that as, you know, as a songwriter, that if I had to release this album before I released any of my next albums. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. But again, it is, there is that level of, of, talking myself through all of these things that we just have brought up. So yeah. it's exciting. It is exciting. So for anyone who wants to uh, learn more about your album and the work that you're doing yeah. in the world, how can they connect with you? So my book is on Amazon in all the formats available, and I'm reading my audiobook. So I know nice. you'll out on I that. I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And the book is called Bare Naked Bravery, How to Be Creatively Courageous. And my album and my music and everything is available on emilyannpeterson.com. Cool. And if you go to forward slash music, that'll take you directly to the page about music. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for popping my cherry on Make Some Noise. Oh, my gosh. I really appreciate it. (laughs) How, How does it feel? Feels good. I feel alive. I'll yeah. probably have one of those hangovers that sometimes you have up post a creation oh, yeah. where you're like, oh God. Yeah. Um, but I feel good. It feels good. It feels good but because I'm-, I'm giving my creativity a home here, right? Like my creative expression is my voice. And uh and and this is the permission for me to go and and use it in another way. So And I think I think that's one of the gifts that creativity gives us. Uh, those of us who struggle with mental health, um, that is the gift is that we get a hit of whatever brain chemistry happens yeah. when we finish something creative. We get yeah. that hit. And sometimes that's enough that makes the mental health or the depression or the dark fuzzy days um, bearable. Yeah. The hope, you know, it, it is a yeah. feeling of hope. And, and when you are in that place, which I have been uh, numerous times in my life where there is no, there's just this void, you know, it's like there's this deep void of nothingness and to create something and have 
something come through you uh, and experience that just being present to something is such a gift when you're all up in your own fucking head. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess the, the invite is from here to go and find some form of creative expression that feels good. Be brave and take just one little step towards uh, a form of expression that feels good for you. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to be the form of expression that felt good yesterday. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be the thing either, right? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Well, thanks so much, Emily. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And that's a wrap. Go to CarlyNimmo.com to find ways to connect to your creativity and live life on your frequency. Until next week, make some 